I remember going to a Christmas Eve mass at a Roman Catholic church with my father-in-law and it was beautiful. It was an amazing service and I loved it. Uh, and, but there were parts of it. I didn't know, always know when to stand or kneel or do this or that or whatever. And it gave me an experience of what it can be like to be the new person or a guest. And it was, it's just a reminder. Let's set our guests up for success. How do we do that? Welcome to episode 318. As you're putting your final touches on your Christmas sermon and services, here are five ways to create a welcoming environment for all those guests and avoid the Christmas cringe. That's today on The Reclaim Leader. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 318 of The Reclaim Leader. I'm Jason Tucker, back again with Jesse Skivington. It is Christmas week. Well, technically not really, but Sunday is Christmas Eve, so I count it as Christmas week. It's Christmas week, Jason, no matter how you slice it. And we were kidding around before you hit hit record that we better have Christmas figured out by now or we're in trouble. <laughs> no, it's good. There's a lot of planning and preparation that goes into Christmas Eve and our services and all that. And so sometimes when you get enough of that done in advance, and especially when Christmas Eve is on a Sunday, it actually kind of frees up this week to really just dial things in and make sure that you're ready to go. And so we're going to talk a little bit about some things that can help us on Christmas and Christmas Eve, especially when we're welcoming a lot of guests. And I love the title that you gave for this episode. So so tell us where, where we're going with this one today. Yeah, we're calling it Avoiding the Christmas Cringe. Yes, churches, we do have a tendency to be a little bit cringy to outsiders, and uh, especially on the holidays when they might darken our doors for the first time or once or twice a year. And so just thinking about how are you, how are we setting up our experience, our Christmas Eve experience, of course, to worship and honor our Lord Jesus Christ, but how do we do so in a way that is welcoming to the guest? And these are just some last minute reminders as we're putting the final touches on our Christmas sermons. Yeah, that's so important. And here, we're not, you're not saying pander to the crowd, take Jesus out of Christmas. That's not, no, no, none of that. We're going to share the good news of Jesus with those that are coming, but we can do it in a way that maybe mitigates against some of the, ah, the, the stuff where you just go, Ooh, <laughs> that hurt. Or just maybe inadvertently leave some people feeling like they're on the outside looking in and they're not yeah. really sure what to do or how to do it. I remember going to a Christmas Eve mass at a Roman Catholic church with my father-in-law and it was beautiful. It was an amazing service and I loved it. Uh, and, but there were parts of it. I didn't know, always know when to stand or kneel or do this or that or whatever. And it gave me an experience of what it can be like to be the new person or a guest. And it was, it's just a reminder. Let's set our guests up for success. How do we do that? It's funny that you mentioned that because my only church experience as a child was going to Catholic Mass, Midnight Mass on Christmas mm-hmm. Eve with my stepfather. And I had a similar experience. I thought it was really beautiful and mysterious and interesting. And I didn't know what to do. And it, I didn't feel like anybody cared. <laughs> right. So, so how do we avoid that? I, I yeah. was just kind of doing a little web surfing, thinking about an episode for today. And I ran into uh, churchanswers.com. Tom Rayner wrote this article about funny things that pastors say have yeah. said at Christmas. And oh, there were a couple yeah. that I thought were really funny. Yeah, let's hear it. One was, uh, there's a Christmas message speaking about how beautiful the Christmas tree is in the pastor's home. And he said, and I quote, I love sitting in the living room with nothing on but the Christmas tree. 
fantastic. I, th- I thought that was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I got a kick out. And then uh, the other one I got, was, I guess, the preacher meant to say inflatables during the announcements. And here's what he said instead. <laughs> Quote, please consider donating your blow up dolls for our church's Christmas outreach. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we can't. We can't avoid the occasional uh, foot in the mouth, but right. there are some things I think we can't avoid. There are some, let's call them weird things that that we say in church that sure. you just want to be mindful of when you have a lot of guests. And uh, belief.net actually had an interesting list. I'll grab a few from them and I'll share some of my own. But sure. a couple that they said that are kind of weird to people that we might not think of is turn to your neighbor. Ah. Yes. Now, now, just think about that. Now, we're so used in Christianese to talk about our neighbor, like as the person sitting next to you. But that's a weird thing to say. Turn to your neighbor. Like, why wouldn't you just say, turn to the person next to you? Yeah. <laughs> it's funny, but little things like that can kind of feel like what's going on. That feels- Insider, outsider kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Need- turn to my neighbor. What are you yeah, talking about? Or give your neighbor a high five. Now I'm not our church. We don't do the thing. Uh, hey, turn to your neighbor, give a high five, say glad to be here, or, you know, whatever. And like I know some churches do that, and it's part of their experience. But just be aware, it might feel a little weird <laughs> to somebody who doesn't go to church. That's give your neighbor a high five. Yeah. Yep. Um, this one's probably my favorite. Will all first time visitors please stand? We promise not to embarrass you. <laughs> oh man. That would just park that one to the side and never, ever, ever bring it back. You think about people's worst fears being realized, that would be right up there. I mean, it already takes enough guts to show up at a church. If you're not a church person or you're new, please don't do this. Please don't do this. It's a recipe. I promise you they're not coming back. Yeah. Yeah. And if they do, that should be an alarm bell. Like that's a red (laughs) flag. That's its own red flag. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, there was there was another one, and this is interesting. I think pastors we like to say things. We want our messages to be portable. We want them to stick, and we say things. But sometimes we say things, and I don't know, like it, it just needs some more context. So there was one that said, "If you let him, God will turn your mess into a message." Hmm. Yes, that's true. But at the same time, if I'm just figuring out what I believe about Jesus and thinking like he's going to turn my mess into a message. What are you talking about? So God just wants to take this thing and wants to somehow leverage it for something else. Mm -hmm. Like, does he care at all about the pain that I'm going through? Are there something? Yeah. You're skipping a few steps there. Yeah. I thought that one was a little cringe. I mean, maybe that's for a group of Christians to go, Hey, think about the hard things you've been through in your life and how that can be a testimony for what God can do and, and how you're still working through things, but God is faithful or whatever. But if you start there on Christmas Eve with people that are like, what, I have to, I'm already in the mission of, uh, of God in the world. And I'm not even sure about all of it yet. Like that's, yeah, yeah, that, that's a little bit of a problem. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So here's a few that I thought of. Okay. And some, these things are sometimes said and they're sometimes written. I'm going to start with this one and I am risking offending some people, Uh but I'll, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you I already feel offended. I'm already, I'm already defensive. Jason. You can feel the offense already. I am defensive. All right. And crossing my arms. Here's. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> if you guys are watching on YouTube, you can see this actually happening. He's yeah. has, um, and this is something. So there's a church. I'm not going to name it. There's a church in our community at the bottom of the hill that is right next to a synagogue. They're right across the street from each other. 
And they put on this giant sign. And I say giant, it's probably like six feet high that they put in their lawn. Keep Christ in Christmas. Keep Christ in Christmas. So not only do I think that's a little tough to put that, not that you can't say what you believe, but it's right in the face of the synagogue. But uh, keep Christ in Christmas. I mean, to me, that's really cringe. Maybe that's not to you. I would rather keep keep Christ in Christians. <laughs> like, right. like, I don't know. Like, I I feel like it's 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 this whole like posture of what we're against. Right. Yep. We're against the way culture doesn't like Jesus. We're against, against, against. It feels like a closed fist raised at culture saying, yeah, and we're going to show you. We're going to keep rather than a heartfelt call to discipleship. Yeah. Uh, maybe that's just me. Maybe that's no, my I, stuff. I don't but. think you're wrong. I think, again, it, it comes from when we are reactive against culture and are angry about it or, you know, whatever. I mean, I think it, it's disappointing that Christmas has turned into this consumer thing and it's not at its heart. Jesus isn't there for many, many millions of people as they celebrate Christmas. Yeah. So yes, maybe the instinct or the desire to see more of Jesus in the Christmas celebration in our culture, maybe that's, that's okay. But to push, put it in people's faces and in a, in kind of a shaming way or something. Yeah. Uh, or maybe a well-intentioned way where they just miss it that most people aren't even thinking in terms of Jesus at Christmas time anymore and kind of missing the, the, the cultural moment or something. I do think you have to be mindful of your posture. And I think the Charlie Brown Christmas is the right way to do it where Charlie yeah. Brown's like, what's the meaning of Christmas? And Linus says, let me tell you. And he, says about the shepherds in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. He just tells the story. He doesn't, he, he doesn't get all preachy and bossy about it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a humility in our ability to say, yeah, Christmas really is about Jesus, but we also understand it's a cultural deal that has come to represent something else in our, in our world too. Yeah. Hey, Reclaim Leader community. Do you feel overwhelmed when it comes to leading change in your church? Or maybe you feel stuck because you don't know where to start. In episodes 314 through 316, we introduced our three-step guide to simplify leading change, and we turned it into a free PDF resource to help you get some clarity. All you have to do is go to reclaimleader.com forward slash guide today. That's reclaimleader.com forward slash guide. Now back to the conversation. I, I also think it's cringy when pastors use attendance shaming. So like on Christmas, they'll say like, well, it's not usually this crowded. Where have all you been? You know, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I would just right. steer clear. Of that. I find that super cringy. It's like, it's not only making people feel weird for being there, but then it's also sort of saying, well, we normally are empty. And <laughs> right, right, right. Well, I think there's a positive, different way to do something that says we would love to see you again without it being how, where have you been all year long? And I think having that we're getting into the weeds a little bit here, but I think for me, one of the outcomes of Christmas Eve is I want people to know what we're doing in January as a church and why I think it would be good for them to come and experience it. So that's okay, but don't do it in a way that, well, we know you haven't been here all year long and wouldn't it be better if you had been and shame on you. Like, don't, yeah. don't, that's not, that's not a good look. So, I mean, really, and this is all in the spirit of how do we make sure that we give people a warm welcome and a soft yeah. landing yeah. and an oppor opportunity to experience a heartfelt worship of our Lord Jesus Christ at Christmas time, right? I mean, it's really yeah. like, how, 
how do we do that well? So be winsome. Don't be weird. Yeah. So it's all about, like you said, posture. I think it's about having the right posture toward our Christmas Eve or Christmas Day services in that they are outward facing. We're not compromising the truth. We're not compromising the message. But how are we just thinking of the fact that there's a whole bunch of the people that we're trying to reach? A lot of them are actually showing up today. Mm -hmm. And what do we do? How do we make sure that we uh, use that moment well? So here's a few things. Number one, make sure to let everyone know you're glad to see them. Whether it's, I, I think we have a tendency sometimes to focus on the people that we do know and we want to wish them well, wish them Merry Christmas and everything else. But what an opportunity to make yourself available to people that you don't know. Yeah. And that's just it. Make yourself available. I know introverts out there, introvert pastors, you're going to want to, you know, welcome people, do your thing, and then kind of go back into the cave, right? But make sure that you're making yourself available for as many people as possible for as long as possible. And although it's hard, I want to say, ask the friends who want to come wish you well, just make sure they're not going into like a five minute conversation when you have people walking by Mm -hmm. that you really need to to connect with, because a lot of people appreciate that touch point. Yeah, no, I I think that's true. And it's a a good opportunity to, if somebody hasn't been around as much in that one little relational interaction can kind of turn the tide for them or someone who's new and you get to know their name and then they come back in January, you remember them that, I mean, those things go so far in helping people find connection and whether we want it to be true or not, sometimes people's primary point of connection with a congregation in the beginning phases is with us, the leaders who are up front most often or speaking most often, that kind of thing. So uh, making yourself available is not uh, optional. I think it, it's a, a crucial part of it. So um, it is. And I, like I and I think there are some, listen, there are some people in your churches who are just straight up frustrated at all the people coming that don't always come. And they, I, it's almost like uh, us and them. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, you know, this guy, I haven't seen this guy since, you know, and here they are tonight. Uh, where you been? You know, it's, and I think just to fight that is to make sure that from up front, I mean, treat it, I would say, treat it like a family reunion. Like yeah. you don't see everybody all the time, but it's all hugs. You're, yep. you're just greeting people and um, just let me know that you care think, and you're glad that I think what you're doing with that too, is taking the long view of people rather than just what they're doing for you in the short term. It's like, yeah, maybe this is a season where they got a ton going on and it's, it's probably not the healthiest thing for them to lean back from church. But if you stick with them, you don't beat them up about it. There might be a season when they're able to lean back in and you won't have severed a relationship or damaged it in some way. So yeah, that's a really important one, Jason. So let any, number one, let everyone know you're glad to see them. Number two, and we uh, mentioned this a little bit in some of those quotes, unpack all the Christian jargon or better yet, avoid it completely. Hmm. So words, you know, I've got to hang up on the word narthex because only Christians know what you're talking about and only specific Christians know what you're talking about. Really uh, specific Christians. Right? Yeah. Use of the word neighbor. I think you can just unpack it. You, if you're going to use it, Say, hey, and remember, Jesus said our neighbor is everybody that we interact with. And that's yeah, right. Yeah, it's sure. some just unpack. Don't expect they're going to know what it is or even fellowship. Yeah. Afterwards, come join us for hot chocolate in the fellowship hall. And like think about somebody who doesn't go to church like fellowship. Is this Lord of the Rings? What's going on? Like it kind of is, but it's yeah, sort of a weird word. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. a very churchy word. So just yeah. just unpack it. There are ways that you can say. So I'll give me a, a great example of this. This is a, a mistake that we were making for a while. And that is. In our contemporary service, we were doing 
uh, passing of the peace, and and that's what we called it. So, you know, as Jesus brings the peace, we ask you to pass the peace to one another. What we didn't anticipate is that we have so many people who aren't churched, who are just coming as their first experience of church or first experience of a Protestant church. They didn't know what we meant. So we would say to pass the peace and they would sit there. They didn't do anything. They, mm. they just sat in their pews while the kids uh, had this time where they're like going to Sunday school. And it took a it took a long time for us to realize that's what was happening. And, yeah. and so we were having a meeting. And I'm just like, what if we just stop saying passing? The like, it's, it's what it is. We can still say the words. Uh, Jesus gives his peace to us and pass it to one another. What if we just said, uh, when we say kids, you're invited to Sunday school and everyone else get up, say hi to someone you don't know, welcome each other this morning. And, and we did. And all of a sudden the room like exploded with movement. Right. It's, they yeah. had no idea what we were talking yeah. about. Yeah. We we're talking about passing the peace because it was just, so we don't, we didn't want to get rid of what passing the peace is or mm-hmm. why we think it's a nice part of the service to keep, but we did want to unpack it. So they knew what the heck we were talking about. Does that make sense? Yep, totally does. And I think what you're doing with that is you're expecting there to be people there who don't know what to do, maybe have never been. And you're sort of acknowledging there are guests in this room that we want to set up for success. And uh, I think there is a, a point at which we we can't unexplained or leave things unexplained or like just take something out. Like we're not going to take communion out because it's hard or maybe somebody who's new is like, I don't know what's, you know, so, but we can do our best to explain it or position it for people in a few words that helps them understand something of what's going on. Cause it never feels good to be, to feel like you don't know, or you're the outsider or, yep, that's what I thought. A bunch of things I didn't understand, you know, or whatever, but that's not what we want for people, especially in Christmas. I mean, and, and even words like Advent, I find that I always take a while to explain what that is and why it's important in the life of the church. And yeah, uh, it's basically making it easy for them to follow the service without compromising the truth that you're trying to convey, right? You just you just want to make it easy for them. How do I make it easy for you? Yeah, not easy to it's not like Christian light, like a lot yeah. of people accuse contemporary worship of being. Yeah. Um I, I get why some of that criticism is there, but it's not that. It's how do I just make it easier for people to follow along, yeah. right? And feel comfortable doing yeah. so. And- we don't tend to have a bulletin with an order of service during our yeah. normal routine. Christmas Eve is one of those times when we do. Uh, we have a handout for everybody, uh, and it has our January sermon series and some other things on there. But it has just a basic order and a little bit of a welcome. If you're new or a guest with us, we're glad you're here. If you have kids and they're wiggling a bit, we understand You know, something like that that tries to set a tone and give people an, an expectation of what is going to happen. We're going to be here for about 50 minutes to an hour. We're really glad to be together, uh, you know, just so that they know what's coming up. And we don't do that all the time, but Christmas Eve is one of those times where we try to really make sure that we're giving people a heads up of what's going to happen. Are they going to be here for four hours? I, they don't know because they've never been. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. No, that's good. All right. Number three, make sure to give them what Hallmark and a Christmas story won't. The life transforming power of a relationship with Jesus Christ. Yeah. Like just, just it's good. All the Christmassy stuff is great. And that's in a lot of ways the hook. People want to come to hear the music. Or if your church sings the Messiah every year, they want to hear that. Or if your church has 
some sort of really cool experience. You want to do that, but make sure don't let them leave that building without knowing of the real reason that we're there, the hope of Jesus yeah. Christ. And I know that that's a silly thing for me to say to a bunch of pastors, but you know how we could just get distracted by all the other things and yeah. making sure that that our messages really deliver on that, I think is worth our time. Yeah. I think thinking of one kind of key takeaway or what's really, what's the bottom line that we want to know as we walk away today that God loves us and he's not willing to let us go. And so he sent his son to be with us, whatever, you know, like a, a one kind of line that avoids the the mess and message thing that you did earlier, but something that is like a takeaway that people can go, okay, that's, that's the point of this story. Here's what yeah. it means. Yeah. Yeah. And if, uh, if you're inclined, uh, listeners, if you're inclined to hear more about preaching on Christmas, we cover this in a, in a mess in a episode we did about a year ago called the thrill of hope. So mm-hmm. check that out. That has, uh, tips on preaching at Christmas. Although by now, honestly, you know, that sermon's got to be done. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, you better be done. <laughs> Although I it guess up. this yeah. year you have a little more time. Yeah. From yeah when no, it is. Actually, up. I found it. This is a total aside, but because Christmas Eve is on a Sunday this year and there's not another sermon to prepare for, at least not for us, we're just doing everything Christmas Eve all day long. And so uh, it's been kind of nice to have that one focus for, for the whole week. So I'm uh, yeah. grateful for that. Well, there you go. Uh, yeah, I love it. Well, what are you some of favorite Christmas things? You know, we're talking Christmas stuff, but what do you look forward to at Christmas time? Like you and your family, Jason, what do you, what do you guys love? We, we just love some of our family traditions. And so on Christmas Eve, when we have all of our services here at the church, we'll have Christmas dinner in my office. Oh, that's fine. And, and we get Jersey Mike's oh, for whatever reason, <laughs> nice. that's been our tradition. And, oh, and the it. kids look forward to it. They're like, oh yeah, we're getting Jersey Mike's. And I'm like, do we have to do this the rest of our lives? Like I, yeah. We did yeah. it out of, for function, you know, we did it out of necessity and, but the kids love it. And then they, we play a Christmas charades on my whiteboard in there. Oh, that's cool. It's just sort of silly, but that's one of the things that we all look forward to a lot. Um, and yeah. you know, the Christmas movies and everything, we, it's great sitting together with popcorn yeah. and watching those and enjoying those. So yeah, that's um, really good. Yeah. It. That's our big thing. How about, how about you guys? Yeah, I think they're similar. It's it's kind of family stuff. And for me, it's it's sort of the lesson of working hard, getting my stuff done so that I can enjoy that with family too. I mean, we do, there's a ton that all of us as pastors have going on this time of year. And before we hit record, I was telling Jason that we've had a, a couple of deaths in our congregation, some funerals coming up. And and yet being diligent enough to really be able to enjoy that with family. We've got a sixth and an eighth grader at home that are starting to roll their eyes at me more and more every day. And so the time is short to do the kinds of things to stay connected. <laughs> so we tend to watch Christmas movies all piled on our bed maybe. And uh, we do an advent calendar where we uh, have a scripture reading that we talk about every night and uh, uh, you know, leading up to Christmas and just finding those points of connection. So hopefully, you know, as much as you're thinking logistics for Christmas Eve, no cringiness, avoid the cringe factor and all that, that you're also, you've been able to enjoy some of this time for yourself, for your own relationship with the Lord, but with family or friends or whoever's in your life, just enjoying the season for what it is too. That's a good reminder. So, uh, yeah, number three, making sure you're giving them the hope of Jesus Christ. I mean, listen, I think a lot of people, they like Christmas because it's an escape mm. or a bit of a distraction mm. from the pain in their life mm. or in the world. And just let them know that the thing that's going to solve the restlessness in their hearts is uh, is a person, Jesus yeah. Christ. So uh, that's number three. Number four, 
to all, it's all it's not too late to think about a hook or an on ramp for 2024. A lot of folks, I know Jesse. Sometimes you'll tee up a uh, sermon series that you're doing in January. That's a nice way to do it. Or maybe there's an event that you're doing in January or a small group launch. Whatever that is, it's nice to give them that thing on Christmas Eve, even though they may not remember it because their brains are just all Christmas. They'll be reminded of it. It will plant a seed for when they hear about it again on the other side. Yeah, it's kind of a, a prime priming the pump kind of deal. You know, you're just putting it on people's radar. Not everybody's going to respond to that event or that sermon series or opportunity, but it it kind of looks ahead and says, "No, we'd love for you to come back and and can't wait to see you again." Without it, kind of layering on some sort of guilt about not showing up or something yeah. like that. So, I think yeah. that's a good tip. And then my last one is uh, sort of inclined or in the same step as just enjoying Christmas is celebrate all the work it took to get this far this year. I mean, really celebrate it. Like take some time and really let it sink in. You've done so much this year. The -hmm. Lord has used you in ways you can't even possibly imagine. Yeah. And, and one thing I like to do is I'll usually set a little time aside, even like before the kids get up, you know, Mm -hmm. I'll just go off and go to a coffee shop or, or the bagel place. It's not too far from us. And just write a list of what are some things I'm just really grateful for. Mm-hmm. And that sort of is it's like hitting the reset button on my soul there. And I, and I could really let sink in and appreciate all that God has done in the last year. I just, I just, it's so rich for me to do that. So maybe I, I think the point is whether you make a list or not, allow yourself to celebrate yeah. the journey of this last year. Yeah, I know. By the time we get done with our last Christmas Eve service, I'm tired and worn out, but I'm all like just taking a, a minute to kind of go, we did it. We got, I mean, it really kind of marks the end of the year. We know we got uh, uh, New Year's Eve this, this year with another Sunday, but it's kind of just an opportunity to stop and give thanks and reflect. And uh, I kind of like being there once the lights are kind of off and everybody's more or less gone and just taking a minute to breathe for a second and go, look what, look what we did. Look what God did. Look, look at all the good that's going on. So I think that's a a really healthy thing, a healthy discipline. So that's it, man. Merry Christmas. Put those final touches on, uh, blessings, everyone and all your prep. And remember God's going to use you again in ways that you can't imagine. There are people that he's going to bring to your church that he brought knowing what you're going to say and how you're going to say it. And what an awesome privilege that is. And uh, I don't know. I never get tired of it. I don't think, I don't think there are many things I could get tired of when it comes to feeling like God's using you for something. So um, anyway, any, any final thoughts before we no, sign off? Man, I, uh, I'm yeah. Grateful for you. Grateful for our friendship and our podcast and, and the things that we get to do talk and shop together. And yeah, we're rooting for good Christmas Eve services, praying for good outcomes for all of you listening in. And thanks for being a part of it with us. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. Ministry is hard. It is so much better when we do it together.